2: Uh, Robert and I, after a, you know a series of discussions, have uh, mutually uh, agreed to um, part ways. And uh, for me, this is a day of um, you know gratitude and celebration. Um, uh, we had a vision of you know building a winner, building a championship football team here, and uh, that exceeded my my wildest dreams um, and expectations, uh, the amount of success that we were able to achieve together. Um, through a lot of hard work and you know contributions of so many people um so i'm very proud of that and and um i always have those those great memories i'll carry with those those with me the rest of my life
3: bill belichick the goat yesterday uh after the patriots and bill belichick came to a mutual agreement to part ways the goat is available he is very familiar with the glory days of the franchise here in Washington. He's very much an NFL historian, in addition to being arguably the greatest coach in NFL history. And his start came in the heyday of the NFC East, in the heyday of Washington versus Parcells and Belichick's New York Giants. With that sense of history and his understanding of what's happened to this once storied franchise, it would not surprise me what Chien's going to say. It would not surprise me if he was actually interested in this job, but I don't know if the feeling's mutual. More on him coming up. Shortly, Uh, Good morning on this Football Friday. Bill Barnwell from ESPN will jump on with us at 11. We'll talk about the coaching openings. We'll talk about here. Uh, We'll talk about the playoff games as well. Ben Standing a little bit earlier than usual today at 11.30. Playoff games this weekend. Two tomorrow, three on Sunday, one on Monday night. This weekend has become one of the better weekends on the sports calendar. I mean, six playoff games, including the one on Monday night, uh, with just two bye teams. Baltimore in the AFC, San Francisco in the NFC. Denton and I are going to look at all of them, preview all of them, two of them looking like the elements are going to be major, major factors. Kansas City and Buffalo, have you seen the forecasts for kickoff in those two cities? Uh, playoff football and the elements in the weather, there's nothing better uh, than when you're watching it from the comfort of your heated home. Uh, but we will preview the games, update everybody on injuries and weather. And I've got four smell test picks for the playoff games this weekend. Two over under totals and then two sides on top of that. By the way, our friend Steven Spector who runs Sports Talk 610 in Kansas City will jump on with us at noon to talk Chiefs, Dolphins, and the weather out there for that one tomorrow night on Peacock. Uh, you gotta have Peacock uh, to watch that. With all the coaching news of the last few days, with all of you know a lot of things that have been going on, how about these stupid back and forth, self absorbed, you know, ESPN personality? things with McAfee and Rodgers and Stephen A. and former ESPNer Jason Whitlock. Are you kidding me? I mean, how self-important do you have to be to put out some of the tweets and some of the videos they've put out? Unbelievable, especially when you've got six playoff games this weekend. I would imagine, and my advice would be, hey guys, the NFL playoffs are starting. That's what most of your audience probably cares about. How about talking Chiefs-Dolphins, Rams-Lions? It's the best time of the year. One and done. The finality of it all, as John Madden used to say. NFL playoff football is so, so good. And we've got six... Interesting matchups for sure with some new teams involved this weekend as well. Of course, around here, the big story, the lead, if you will, is the search or the search is, you know, plural. Searches for a president of football ops and a new head coach search as well. Here's the update on that. Um, you know, I'm sure that Doc, who was in for me yesterday and Denton were talking about all of the reports from basically all of the beat reporters in town, that the search has narrowed to Adam Peters, the assistant GM for John Lynch in San Francisco, and Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM in Chicago for Ryan Poles, uh, that these two gentlemen are where the organization's search committee, led by Josh Harris, but involving Bob Myers and Rick Spielman. Yes, apparently I was saying Chris Spielman, or I said Chris Spielman multiple times the other day. My apologize. Uh, apologies. Uh, that is his uh, younger brother who's a hell of a football player uh, in his day. I think they're brothers, right? Aren't Rick Spielman and Chris Spielman brothers? I'd
2: or do imagine I imagine they're wrong? either brothers or cousins.
3: Brothers or cousins. There's a relationship there somewhere. Um, but the search committee has it narrowed down to these two candidates for what appears to be the president of football operations title and role. Uh, There would likely be a GM, but that would not be the top football decision-making person in the organization. And it's possible if it's Peters, Martin Mayhew could remain. The two of them work together in San Francisco. Adam Peters you know, According to what we all read, and I mentioned this the other day, I think for a lot of these names on this list, for many of you, these are names that you were not familiar with until just a few weeks ago or certainly before the season started for the first time. Um, but Adam Peters has had, I think, probably the most input of any of the candidates uh, in terms of decision-making. Uh, John Lynch appears to be more of kind of an overseer and big picture manager um, where Peters has been doing a lot of the evaluating and a lot of the decision-making with respect to their roster. And look, the bottom line is that roster, top to bottom, depth-wise as well, is as good as any in the league that we've seen in a long, long time. So Adam Peters, I think, would be, the of the two, the guy that would please most. But Ian Cunningham, it's not just his role in Chicago. Remember, he was with two incredible organizations, the Ravens uh, and the Eagles, prior to that. So we'll keep you posted on if there's any news. This is something that they wanted to do thoroughly but rapidly, as Josh Harris talked about. And it does appear as if both of those gentlemen um, are in the running to be the next head of football operations here. Look, two takeaways from this. Number one, I think it was JP who reported this. Uh, I've been a little bit out of it the last uh, 48 hours, but uh, I think JP in catching up this morning reported that both of these candidates have told others no with respect to interviewing. For the job. Um, That's interesting um, on some level. Uh, Adam Peters was sought after last year, Cunningham to a lesser degree last year, and both of those gentlemen decided to stay where they were. I think what it really speaks to is just how attractive this job is. You know, without Dan here, that's number one. So you're not going to have either their conclusion or people around them helping them come to a conclusion that is, uh uh-uh, don't go there. Whatever you do, if you have options, don't go there. Well, that's not the case anymore. You know, there's still, I am sure, some wondering what new ownership will be like um, because Josh Harris has not owned a football team. Uh, He owns a basketball team and a hockey team. But his history has been to hire people and get out of their way. Uh, in those two organizations. The structure here, because of the $6 billion price tag, a little bit different than in the other situations, given that he is somewhere around a 30% managing partner um, with the most number of minority shareholders of any NFL team in the league, minus the publicly held Green Bay Packers. Um, You take them out of the the equation. So there is, I'm sure, some wondering about what they're getting themselves into with a new ownership group, Um, but they know they're not getting involved with Dan Snyder. And what they do see in Washington, forget all of the history which, you know, every single hire for the last 20 years, right? It's somebody coming in, Telling us about how they are so familiar with the storied history, with the glory days, with the Hogs, with Joe Gibbs, the whole, the Super Bowls, the whole thing, you know, right out of the playbook for that initial press conference, which now really is less relevant because it's been an organization that's been, f- you know, among the worst in the sport for a lot longer period of time than the last time it was relevant in terms of being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, But what's really attractive, that isn't to to a candidate right now. What's really attractive is significant cap space and the number two pick in the NFL's upcoming draft. And so that, uh, just keep in mind, you know, for those that wanted to beat the Cowboys, for those that wanted to beat the Giants, Um, But the Cowboys in particular at the end of the year, that number two pick is very attractive uh, for the Adam Peters and the Ian Cunninghams of the world. Uh, It is viewed as a very, very clean slate, as clean as it can get in the NFL for a team that's not an expansion team. With all of the picks, with the the position of the picks specifically, the the second pick in the draft, and then the uh, uh, amount of cap space. Not to mention, not to mention some pretty good players on the roster and under contract right now. I know that we took a lot of swings at the roster down the stretch. I think deservedly so. This is part of the Ron Rivera conversation. But there are some players that perhaps are talented enough with a better coaching staff for us to see much more consistency and better performances uh, out of. And then you have this. Washington, according to reports, has begun virtual interviews with some of the head coaching candidates that they've requested interviews with. Uh, Among those, Ravens assistant head coach, defensive line coach Anthony Weaver set to have his virtual uh, interview uh, today. Um, And there was um, some discussion too, right, that Mike McDonald, the, uh, the defensive coordinator in Baltimore, will potentially have a virtual interview as well. Now the rules around this, and I saw Nikki tweet this out, Um, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. For candidates in the playoffs, only those with a wild card buy, that's San Francisco and Baltimore right now, in terms of the head coach hiring process, can interview virtually now. Those with wild card games have to wait until three days after their game. Um, in-person interviews for head coaches can't start until after the division round. I think it's January 22nd is the date on that. So expect the news on either Peters or Cunningham to break as soon as today. So keep it here all day long and we'll have that if the news breaks. Ben will be on with us at 1130. 30. We'll get an update on uh, from Ben. On the timetable for all of this. My preference, honestly, is just slight. I I would take the guy that has actually been more responsible, at least according to everybody that has reported on this, everything that you've read about this. I've gone back, and I did this the other day, and read some of the quotes about draft choices. Adam Peters is quoted much more often in the follow-up to drafts in recent years than even John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan which is certainly an indication that Adam Peters had significant input um, and involvement and impact um, on the 49ers drafts uh, and its roster, and we know how good of a roster that one is. But um, I would imagine that both of those gentlemen are qualified to take that next step and be the head of football ops. But you never know with these things. There are hot candidates all the time that don't have track records in having those jobs specifically, whether it's GMs, head of football ops, or even head coaches, um, and almost like the draft. More of them don't work out than do. Um, But with this particular opportunity, with the number two pick, and perhaps the ability to take either Drake May or Jaden Daniels, To go along with a coach who would be really excited about that kind of opportunity as well, perhaps the chances of success are greater here. But remember that draft choice is a crapshoot pick as well. All right, Ben, with much more on all of that coming up at eleven thirty. I'll get to the Belichick stuff because I have a few thoughts on him. But first, let's get to a what do you got?
0: All right, all right, all right
4: what do you got
3: keeping my eye on the sport of basketball so that you don't have to last night was a night of unbelievable blowouts notable basketball blowouts listen to these three results in college basketball last night UCLA lost to Utah 90 to 44. In a 40-minute college basketball game, UCLA lost a game by 46 points. It was the second worst beating in the history of the program. They lost to Stanford by 48 back in 1997. With just over three minutes left in the game, the score was 87-37. to 37. They trailed by 50. The Bruins did not have a double-digit scorer for the first time in 30 years, according to ESPN stats and information. This is UCLA. They've gone to the Final Four and two Sweet 16s in the last three years under Mick Cronin, who's been a hell of a coach. They are in big trouble now at 6-10 and 10 overall. Cronin said afterwards, quote, I think our guys are punch drunk. They're good kids. We don't have bad kids. Trust me. They listen. They're embarrassed, but that doesn't help. I was concerned with this. They're punch drunk, and you've got to fight your way out of it. I've been there before. It's been a while, but I've been there before. Closed quote. By the way, not the best advice to fight when you are drunk. (laughs) But that's... Not what he meant, obviously. Uh, But um, he has not had – I went back and looked this up because Mick Cronin's been a hell of a coach everywhere he's been. Mick Cronin is in his 20th year of being a head coach. He's only had two losing seasons, and those were the first two when he was in Cincinnati taking over a program that was in trouble. He hasn't had a losing season since 2007-2008. They're 6-10. Right now, you know Maryland beat them uh, by nine in Pauley Pavilion right before Christmas, Um, and then they've played. They they actually won their next game and won a few game or or were competitive in a few games after that. But a forty six point blowout for the Bruins of Westwood. Uh, more on the Maryland comeback win over Michigan last night in College Park when we get to Denton's news. But the hoop blowouts last night did not end with the UCLA's losing to Utah. Oklahoma City in the NBA last night beat the Portland Trailblazers 139-77. to A 62-point blowout It was the fifth biggest blowout in NBA history. The largest margin of victory was three years ago when actually the OKC team that was on the right side last night was on the wrong side of a 73-point loss to Memphis back in 2021 last night's 139 to 77 62 point win fifth biggest blowout in NBA history the score at the end of the third at the end of the third quarter was 118 to 56 that's the same margin of victory for OKC 62 points which means they basically were dead even I think they were well it does mean they were dead even in the fourth quarter. And then in Milwaukee last night in a hyped, you know, game on TNT between the Bucks and the Celtics, Milwaukee beat Boston 135 to 102. They went on a 25 to nothing run in the first half. I can't remember hearing anything like that, 25 to nothing. And they led by 37 at halftime. TNT dumped out of the game, you know, at one point in the third quarter, you know, they went back to Ernie and the guys and said, "We're going to try to find you a, a more competitive game." But then they were looking at the scores of the other games and they couldn't find one. And so they sent it back to Milwaukee for the end of it. Um anyway, uh an interesting night in hoops. All right. Bill Belichick, first of all, I want to have a conversation just about him versus Nick Saban because it's the obvious sports talk conversation about which was the better coach as they resigned as you know Saban you know stunningly resigned on on Wednesday evening and then Belichick and Kraft came to a mutual parting of the ways yesterday um, but I have a strong feeling on which of the two was actually the more accomplished coach. I think there's a way to describe it that isn't about who's the better coach, but who's the more accomplished coach. We'll get to that. And then, yeah, I do think Belichick would have interest in Washington. Not sure the feeling is mutual. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, Kevin Chiencho, the Team 980, theteam980.com. We're also free and live on the Odyssey app. So we got a big night coming up that I want to tell you guys all about. Um, It's going to be a night on Friday, February 2nd, 8 p.m. at the Bethesda Theater. Uh, That is near my old hood. Uh, It's all of us from 980 and from 106.7, the fan, all getting together, getting on stage together for a night of... Sports laughs, behind the scenes stories. I got to think of some that I can actually uh, tell. I'll tell one or two that maybe are a little bit out of school. Uh, sports debate conversation. Friday, February 2nd. It's 1067 The Fan and the Team, oh, versus the Team 980 Live. Friday, February 2nd at 8 p.m. at the Bethesda Theater. Um, You know, who will the commanders pick in free agency? Who are they going to pick at number two overall? How soon before they're actually going to compete and win a Super Bowl? Um, It's all off air, on stage, and uncensored featuring the sports junkies, Grant and Danny, Brian and JP, me, Chris Russell, Craig Hoffman, um, and the boys from Bit Season and more. So get tickets today at Bethesda Theater.com. That's Bethesdatheater.com. It's presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. That'll be a fun night. Looking forward to that Friday, February 2nd. Tickets, I want all of you, so many of you, we haven't seen each other in a long time. When I used to be out with Tommy doing various events or doing the pregame show from the stadium all of those years outside in the old Bud Light Pavilion, uh, I saw a lot of you. But this is an opportunity for uh, many of us to see each other again. It was fun, actually, at the draft uh, – not at the party, at the the announcement of the owner um, uh, party back in uh, – what did we call that celebration down at the bullpen? What did we we gonna that? Day? sold. Burgundy and sold. Uh, That was a fun day. So it was recently, but I want to see everybody out there. All of you that listen to the show um, would love to see you out in Bethesda. So again, tickets at com for Friday, February 2nd, 8 p.m. We will have a beer or five together and uh, tell stories about Ivan, Sabah, and many others. <laughs> you know, I, I've i never met Ivan. I've never met Sabah. I've never met Ian before. Three three of the notable long-termers. Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll have a chance to do that on that night. Okay, so Bill Belichick's available. I I still don't really understand what appears to me... Based on, you know, a lot of anecdotal with a lot of you, either by social media or by calls or even a lot of my friends, I don't understand the pushback to Belichick. It seems overwhelming to me. Like, none of you want Belichick. I mean, I I can't wrap my arms around that. Really? You don't want the greatest coach in the history of the game? I understand if people would say, look, if he were our coach that'd be fine but he can't also be the chief construction you know artist of the roster he wouldn't be we, we understand that. You know, that's not the direction. By the way, all the reporting says no interest in Belichick. And it's kind of what we've been talking about for a couple of months. It was the first thing I heard when it became a possibility on Belichick. Now, I haven't heard the same thing about Harbaugh, but we've heard that this about Belichick for a while, that this is not an area that they were going to look at. And look, it may just simply be because Bill wants a lot of control. And whatever the next gig is for him, Um, even though, remember earlier this week, there was some conversation about, you know, or at least some reporting about a conversation about Bill relinquishing some of the roster control that he had before. I actually felt like there was a chance, at least based on the reports, that Belichick may stay on in New England as a head coach. Yeah. There are, you know, with the Ben Johnsons and the Bobby Slowicks and the Anthony Weavers and the Mike McDonald's, you do realize, people, right, that that's that's like the draft. And it's like a one-in-three shot that one of them will end up being good enough. And it's like a one-in-six or one-in-seven shot that they end up being good enough for a long period of time. Um, I'm not suggesting that that path isn't an attractive path, especially if you really think that Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick or Raheem Morris or Mike McDonald or any of these potential candidates really blow you away in the same way that Joe Gibbs blew Bobby Bethard away back in 1980, uh, 1981, in the offseason of 81 leading into his first year. Um, but the idea that you would just completely dismiss Belichick and say, "Well, he's you know," especially the, the uh, what I would refer to, would refer to as the limit, majorly limited talk about how he's not a good coach because he can't win anything without Brady. Um, but anyway, would I be interested in Belichick just as a coach? A hundred percent, I would. It's not going to happen, but a hundred percent, I would. And I find those that they completely dismiss it as absolutely not, not even open-minded enough to even just consider like a three to five year run of Bill Belichick. And then he turns it over to one of his assistants because he does develop a, a really good staff. I know that his coaching tree isn't super impressive as head coaches, um, but he always has a super strong staff. But anyway, um, I digress. Uh Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, you know, essentially having their careers in their respective places, Alabama and New England, ending within 24 hours of each other. It was really quite an incredible 24-hour period of news. I mean, you're talking about arguably the greatest college coach in history and arguably the greatest NFL coach in history, both having their reigns come to an end. And I would imagine yesterday, and I didn't take in a lot of the conversation yesterday, I was preoccupied yesterday, but um, I would imagine a lot of the conversation was not only about their relationship, they're obviously super close. He hired Nick Saban uh, to be on his staff when he was the head coach in Cleveland. But which of the two is the greatest coach of all time? If we consider Saban to be the greatest coach of all time... Quite amazing that Nick Saban will go down as the greatest coach of all time. And Paul Bear Bryant will be remembered as the second greatest (laughs) Alabama coach of all time. But that's been the case for a while uh, now. Also thought about Denton just, really? The last play was a quarterback draw with Milrow that got stopped two and a half yards short of the goal line in a playoff? Um, in which you could make the case he did one of his best coaching jobs that he's ever done this past season. Because if you watched college football early in the season, you would have never said, yeah, Bam is going to be there at the end. They'll be in the playoff. Um, When they were struggling, remember that day against South Florida? Um, on the road, USF. Uh, but anyway, um, I was thinking about this, and I was actually talking um, earlier this morning to a friend of mine just about Belichick versus Saban. To, be, to me, it's actually... I, I don't know what the answer is in terms of who is the better coach. They're both brilliant, clearly. Belichick's one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the game. Some would say the greatest... X's and O's defensive coach of all time. Forget about what he was as a leader and as a head coach and a six-time Super Bowl winner and a nine-time Super Bowl participant, etc. Um, with, by the way, Super Bowls that weren't all about Brady. You know, witness what they did to the Rams on two different occasions—the greatest show on turf—and then the Sean McVay Rams, which was a defensive masterpiece, really, in that particular Super Bowl. But to me, it's it's a it's a conversation more because I don't know what the answer is on who's the greater coach, who's the greater tactician, who's the greater in-game coach. I will say this: Belichick was a much better in-game, you know, a strategist, in my opinion, than Saban was. And I think it's just because in the NFL you are exposed to it a lot more often than they are than you are at Bama in terms of close games, you know, games in which things like timeout management, clock management, et cetera, become important. Belichick much better at that over the years than Saban. But that aside, to me, it's a conversation about accomplishments. To me, Belichick's accomplishments completely trump. Saban's accomplishments. Nick Saban, brilliant career, all-time college football coach, two ninety-two seventy-one and one as as a head coach at Bama, two hundred one and twenty-nine national championships galore in multiple spots, including LSU and Bama. He's an, the most accomplished college coach of all time. But college is so much different than the NFL. The NFL is designed for the opposite of what Bill Belichick achieved. College football isn't, and now it really isn't. But even before, in some ways, you could make the case that before NIL and before the transfer portal, there were just a few programs, and I say a few, I mean certainly a dozen or so, that were you know, for all intents and purposes, figuring out a way to grease the skids to get players into their universities. Uh, And Alabama always had much more talent than 95% of the teams that were on their schedule. I think one of the things that's impressive about about Saban um, Denton, he never lost games that he wasn't supposed to lose. Can you name one game that he ever lost, that, it, that wasn't against a true upper-tier comp in the moment, whether it was LSU or A&M, etc., he never lost to Missouri or Kentucky. You know, he just didn't lose. He never lost to somebody he wasn't supposed to lose to. Can you think of any off the top of your head?
2: Yeah, there, there was the one A and M game two years ago when Zach Calzada became like the second coming of the greatest quarterback in college football. But history remember, ever. they
3: were without. They were without Bryce Young in that y- game.
2: They, they were they were hurt, but that, that's the only one that I can look at that game and say that Texas A and M team wasn't all that good. But that's that's one time in you know nearly twenty years at Alabama.
3: And again, Bryce Young, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure he did not play in that game.
2: Uh, I either did not play or didn't play fully in the game. Yeah, he was definitely not there for all of it.
3: But to me, it's Belichick's accomplishments in in a sport that is designed for the opposite to happen. College football, there are major disparities in talent. So if you combine your major disparity in talent with also a major disparity on the sideline, you're going to win big, and you're going to win a lot. New England accomplished something in an era of free agency, salary cap, draft that's weighted, that's based on trying to be fair and equal, and the whole idea of league parity. Their dynasty was the opposite of what the league was designed to produce. The Patriots were fortunate, I understand, to be in the AFC East for all of those years without a legitimate, consistent competitor in the division, which allowed them to win divisions year in and year out, which also resulted in a number, uh, a majority, significant majority of playoff games in Foxborough at home. But Belichick winning all of those games, all of those playoff games, and all of those Super Bowls. Remember, when you got to the Super Bowl, it was neutral field and you were playing the best from the other conference. I just don't think the accomplishments are close. An NFL coach, is it's much harder for an NFL coach to produce dynastic results. It's all built to prevent it. And in college sports, it isn't. Yeah, he got Brady. He got Brady in the sixth round. Let's not forget that. He had Brady. He had a great quarterback. But a lot of their big wins were Belichick defensive wins, including the first run to their first Super Bowl, including their recent run uh, and Super Bowl over the Rams. Uh, Bill Belichick, to me, you know, he'll eventually, with whomever he lands, will, will I'm sure, over the next three years, four years, end up with the most wins of any coach in NFL history. He's already cleared the deck by nine wins over Andy Reid in terms of playoff wins. If you want to point to the years without Brady here recently, I point to Bill Belichick, the GM, and say it's his fault. That team was awesome defensively this year at times and so well coached defensively as they have been forever with him uh let's not forget that without Brady they did go 11 and 5 with it with Matt Castle let's not forget that he went to the playoffs twice in Cleveland as a head coach I'm sorry played two playoff games went to the playoffs once 11 and 5 in his next to last season Um, I would say that if we're talking about accomplishment, it's Bill Belichick who did something against what the league had designed to prevent. And I just think it's still amazing to this day to think of what we lived through from 2001 until, until their last Super Bowl win or their last playoff season, which was a couple of years ago with Mac Jones as a rookie. Uh, it just shouldn't have happened uh, the way it did, but it did. Um, incredible careers. Uh, where does Belichick go next? It's not here. Um, you know, all of the reporting. It's, it's funny how the national reporting is still like that. Washington makes the most sense for Bill. Um, and I do think that Bill Belichick, because he's such an NFL historian, that show that he helped co-host, Um, you know, uh, on the NFL Network when they did the top 100 greatest players of all time. I've never seen him more animated and better. He loves talking about the history of the NFL, and he was a part of the heyday of the NFC East, and he knows what this place was like. He knows what it was like to walk into RFK Stadium for the biggest game of the year multiple times. Uh, with Bill Parcells and Lawrence Taylor and Phil Simms and Joe Morris and Mark Bavaro and Harry Carson and company. Those games were intense. All of them. And I'm sure, like Sean Payton did, remember? Over the summer when he was on that NFL XM series show and he told Adam Schein, who was the host... That he just can't believe what Washington has become, because he remembers when he was with the Cowboys or the Giants or the Parcells or whatever, what it was like to come here and what the NFC East was like. You know, this was when he, you know, disclosed that a potential bidder on the team had reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in being the coach um, while well, Ron Rivera still had the job. But trust me, uh, Parcells, Belichick, all of the guys that were around with the Giants during their heyday, they have reverence for what this was. And I have heard that Belichick would prefer the NFC. But again, it's not going to happen because all of the reporting, and I think it's accurate because this is something that we heard when it first became even a conversation, is that Josh Harris would it, would prefer to go in a different direction than going with um, Bill Belichick. Um, so where does he go? I don't know. It seems like there are a lot of tea leaves pointing to Atlanta. i just remind you that if he does end up in Atlanta, um, that Kirk Cousins is a free agent, and Belichick loves Cousins, loves him. Just go back. When they played him in New England, I think they played on Thanksgiving last year, the year before that, on Thanksgiving night. And and listened to Belichick you know, with the effusive praise pre-game and post-game. Um, and Kirk's wife, Julie, is from Atlanta. I think the Vikings are going to re-sign him, but that would probably be something that Belichick, if he ended up in Atlanta, would be looking for. He's got to get a quarterback in Atlanta if he ends up going there. It would be kind of the move in terms of the division, the landscape of the division, which just looks wide open right now to win and to dominate um, with just better coaching um, than, say, the AFC West and the Chargers opportunity appears to be. All right. A couple things to get to, including we'll start to look at these playoff games this weekend. Um, and uh, Denton's got some news. We'll get to all of that when we come back. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980,
0: theteam980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app.
2: College Hoops last night. Maryland beats Michigan 64-57. to Dante Scott scored 22 points to lead the Terps, 20 of those in the second half. Juju Reese, 14 points, 13 rebounds, another double-double for him. Uh, Caps in action last night. They lose to the Kraken 4-1. to one. They're not 1-3 in their last four games. They're off today in action at home on Saturday against the Rangers. Wizards off today. They're in action Saturday on the road against Atlanta. And that's what's trending.
3: Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got?
2: All right, we're going to start with your Terrapins. They got a big win yesterday over Michigan. A completely different second half versus the first half. They looked all over the place in the first half. Strong performance in the second half. And Dante Scott looked like he was was back. It was one of his best halves I think I've seen this entire year. Maybe going back so far as to last year as well. They looked really good in the second half.
3: So I was actually um, driving back from uh, from New Jersey last night, and so I listened to the first half. I did catch the second half on FS1. What have I been telling you, Maryland fans? Denton, what have I been saying? Who do they need to step up if they're going to actually be uh, the team that some thought they could be before the season started?
2: Yeah, you're right. You've been saying Dante Scott's the guy.
3: He's the guy. He has to score. I don't know why he's been hesitant. I don't know why he's lacked confidence through the first portion of this season. I didn't hear, I didn't see the first half. I was listening to the first half, and it sounded awful. Um, And then Dante just started letting it rip, and that's their only chance this year because, and and look, Reese was big-time rebounding, had five block shots. I mean, Michigan was missing their... Arguably their their most productive player this year, um, their 5'10 point guard. Um, he's been suspended for a few games, so that was a big miss. Terps were down 12. They were 0 for 9 in the first half from behind the arc. And then Dante Scott went for 20 in the second half. <laughs> 20 and a half. Ended up with 22 um, and that's what they have to have. Um, it was big uh, for them to come back because a loss last night, dropping to one and four in the Big Ten, you would have been looking at. Look, Michigan stinks. Okay, let's not let's not you know uh, talk about this win as if it's a good win. It, it just would have been a bad loss. And I still think that Kevin will figure things out. Um, they're playing good defense for the most part and have been all year long. I think they're number one in the big 10 in defensive efficiency. Uh, but, and, and let me just mention the big 10 top to bottom is not great this year, Denton. It really isn't. Um, you've got really good teams at the top, obviously with Purdue and Illinois in particular, Wisconsin's, you know, playing well here early in the season, um, but that would have been a very difficult loss, and they need some juice in this program right now. I mean, we, you know, everybody was telling me how much juice was needed after, you know, during the turge and stuff. There needs to be a, yeah, some some injected. Uh, electricity and energy into the program right now because that place was half full. I know the students aren't back, but it doesn't matter. you know when you've got a good team that is you know ranked as many of the teams here in recent years have been, I know some of you have a distorted view of history. Um, last year telling me oh my god, they they sold out a game. yeah that that only happened like 30 times uh, during the Turgeon reign. Oh my God, they're ranked again. yeah, that never happened under Mark. yeah really. Um, but, uh, now you need some energy into this program right now because it is a bandwagon town, this town, other than it's a bandwagon town almost uh, completely. And Maryland used to be no problem, good or bad. That building was three quarters to almost full a lot. Wasn't last night. They play Illinois, um, on, Sunday uh, during NFL playoff games. Illinois won last night over Michigan State. They're number 10 in the country. That will be a challenge. All right, what else?
2: All right, so you mentioned Bill Belichick. Well, the Patriots have already decided his replacement due to a clause that was in Gerard Mayo's contract. They didn't have to interview anybody else. They didn't have to uh, apply by any rules. They could just hire Gerard Mayo, and that's what they've done. So he is the next Patriots head coach. But an interesting little tidbit about this, Kevin – Gerard May was the last number or a uh, top 10 pick for the Patriots all the way back in 2008, and now he will be the guy that is selecting their next top 10 pick all the way in 2024. Wow. Really They haven't selected in the top 10 since 2008? Yeah, Mac Jones was, uh, I think he was 11. He was 11 or 15, one of the two.
3: So whose pick did they have? Because 2008 would have that that draft would have followed their
2: incredible 2007 season correct yeah so they had um it was a pick from New Orleans yeah it was from the New Orleans Saints in 2008
3: okay um look we we've we've been hearing Gerard Mayo forever now you know uh and He's, you know, he's young. He's 37. I mean, uh, Ben Johnson and um, I think Mike McDonald might be younger if he ends up getting hired. Uh, but we've been hearing that name. I think the only thing that threw a wrinkle into it was the Vrabel availability. Uh, Vrabel will end up somewhere. Um, but uh, good for Gerard Mayo. I know that he's been an outstanding assistant coach uh, for a while. It is tough to follow the guy. Rarely does it work out that the guy following the guy ends up being another
2: guy. Um,
3: but good luck to Gerard Mayo. What else?
2: All right, so you mentioned Nick Saban, right? We were talking about the two uh, the two goats uh, of their respective sports. Well, uh, Kalen DeBoer coaches at Washington. He was scheduled to have a an in, uh, in-studio visit with a local radio station today. Uh, that has now been canceled. He's rumored to be Ooh. among the candidates for Alabama. Dan Lanning was also rumored. He put a video out on social media yesterday saying that he was staying at Oregon. By the way, Dan Lanning... I think he's my favorite coach in college football, but Kalen DeBoer could potentially be on his way to Tuscaloosa.
3: Did Lanning turn that into any sort of contract extension or not?
2: Uh, Not. I didn't read that part. Not yet, but I think he will. On top of that, there's rumors out of Texas that Steve Sarkeesian is going to get a contract extension in the next day or two.
3: Let me just say, I don't think Sarkeesian should leave that job. I don't. We're becoming Texas again, and that is a place with big time. Abilities, uh, financial and otherwise. And to go be the guy that, you know, follows the... So it makes much more... Sarkeesian is is building something, I think, that looks like very sustainable in this era of NIL, transfer portal, etc. Austin has always been a very attractive destination and a very lucrative destination. He doesn't need to go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, He should stay put in Austin. Now, the Kalen DeBoer thing is different with Washington entering the Big Ten and him being a hell of a coach. So do you think he – is he the favorite right now?
2: Yeah, I I think he he is the favorite. I think the two favorites, if you're looking at betting odds, I don't have the odds up in front of you, but it's him and Mike Norvell at FSU. They've got
3: some issues too um, here recently with this probation thing. Um, Real quickly, do you agree with me on Sarkeesian?
2: Yeah, I I think there's no – you have to look at uh, each job. Like, what does Alabama offer that Texas doesn't? And Texas is one of the rare programs that even when they're not good, they can compete with Alabama in terms of money and resources. So add on top of that that they are good. Uh, again, there's no reason to leave them. And you can say, I know a couple people on social media had thrown the name Kirby Smart around. Uh, Kirby's the same thing. There's nothing that Alabama offers that Georgia doesn't, and he's already got that shit moving in the right direction. So those two And I
3: got to tell wrong. you what, seriously, if you, if you've got the choice of living in Athens or Austin versus Tuscaloosa— it's not even a choice. Like we've we've talked a lot of times about uh, you know, where does the job rank? Not where not where the program ranks. Alabama's at the top of the list in terms of programs. But if the job becomes available, how attractive is the job? I think that there are more there are a couple of more a couple of jobs that are more attractive available than Alabama, especially trying to follow in Sabin's shadow, um, and living in that shadow. Um all right. Anything else quickly or not?
2: Yeah, one final bit of news here. Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift are reportedly playing to be engaged this summer. So congratulations to them.
3: She's gonna have to bundle up for tomorrow night. <laughs> Steven Specter from <laughs> 610 KC Sports is gonna join us at noon and we'll talk to him about just how cold. This could be one of the coldest games in NFL history. Bill Barnwell from ESPN will join us next, and we'll talk about these six games this weekend and more. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the theteam980.com.